Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. We have been in Ecclesiastes for several months, just been taking a few verses at a time, but we have reached the book's conclusion. Of course, this is not really new to us because we have, we have referenced and referred to the conclusion of the book throughout the book to kind of help kind of help level things out for us because there are some parts of the book that are really heavy, that are, that are kind of negative, that are kind of a downer because the book of Ecclesiastes has a way of just, of just getting, getting right to it. The book of Ecclesiastes doesn't sugarcoat the fact that life is difficult and we go through life and as we go through life, we probably come to the same realization as the, as the writer of Ecclesiastes did and that is... Things in this life are meaningless. Life is short. One day we're going to be gone from this old world, and so we need to realize what matters. And as he's gone through and talked about how our wealth doesn't matter, our health is one day going to be gone, all the things that we once held near and dear will be gone, and and we ourselves will be gone and forgotten. And so what is there for us to live for in this world if nothing in this world is worth living for? Well, the author of Hebrews calls us to live for one out of this world. He calls us to live for God, and that's what we see here in the conclusion. Now, these last few verses, it's not clear really if these were in the original uh, writings. When, the, when, the, when this would have originally been written, this ending may not have been clu- included on some of those original manuscripts. We see a little change in the shift of language here. It's possible that if it was written at the same time as the rest of the book, that the author here kind of shifted focus a little bit to to bring about this conclusion. It could be that an editor, someone else who was writing or or with the writer or at a later date when they were arranging this may may have added this to it. It's really an unknown, but regardless of who wrote it or when, it is in the Word of God and it is good. There's certainly good things for us to see here in these last few verses. So let's pray. And then we'll dig in. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would, we would get something from this, God, that, that wherever we may be in life, whether we are in a good season of life or in a really tough season of life, God, that through it all that we seek you and that we trust you and that we, we draw closer to you in it. So I pray, dear Lord, that as we've dealt with some really heavy stuff over the last few months in this book, that, that it'll all be brought home tonight with your word, that everything would come to you, dear Lord. And that's the way it always is in your word. It always points us to you. So help us to see you tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. Now, most of your translations will probably say the teacher. Some of them will say the preacher. That's the same language we saw at the beginning of the book, koaleth, as the, in the original language, the word that was used there, that the, that the writer of Ecclesiastes referred to himself as, likely Solomon. However, we don't know. What we do know is that the writer of Ecclesiastes was a man of wisdom. Now, that's pretty clear throughout the book. We've seen some wisdom. We've seen some of the same type of wisdom like we see in the book of Proverbs. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is full of truth, we see here. It's words of truth. 
albeit sometimes hard truths, but truths nonetheless. It's words of wisdom, it's words of truth. And what does it say? It says that the teacher or the preacher constantly taught the people knowledge. So the goal of the writer of Ecclesiastes is to inform people of knowledge. Knowledge that it appears as though the writer has learned firsthand, has experienced firsthand. They have had the wealth. They have had the material possessions. They have had the power. They have had all the things that this world has to offer only to find that they really don't bring any true joy and satisfaction. They are meaningless. Vanity. All is vanity. We see that. Or meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's the conclusion that the writer of Ecclesiastes has come to. And some of us may have come to that conclusion too. We realize, especially as we begin to get older, the things that are most important in this world and the things that are not that important. And loving God, loving our family, well, those two things really are what's most important. Loving other people. Those are the things that are important. Now, it's good that we have homes and cars and can take vacations and things like that. Those things are all well and good, but those are not the things that are most important. And that's what the author of Ecclesiastes is telling us. Learn what's most important because life is short, and one day you're going to be gone. And so what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? What are you going to do in this life that counts for something? Because amassing a large amount of wealth and amassing a, 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 some fame for yourself or land or whatever it may be, those things are not going to have an impact for the kingdom of God, more than likely. But should we invest in people and we love people and we teach our, our, our children and our friends the word of God, those are things that will have a lasting effect. And so, as we've seen throughout the book, there is some enjoyment that is to be had in life, but we need to remember the things that really matter and the things that really do not matter. And that's the type of knowledge that the, t the teacher tries to tell us here. He weighs, explores, and arranged many proverbs, and that's what we've seen throughout the book. All right, verse 11. The sayings of the wise are like goads, and those from, the mas from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. They are sayings given by one shepherd. Okay, the words of the wise are like goads. Now, a goad's like a stick or something that a, that a shepherd would have, would have poked an ox or something with, right? You got your ox. They want to go here. They want to go there. You've got a certain, a certain place that you want them to go, a certain field you need them to go to, a certain spring you need them to drink from. And it would be fantastic if they just followed you and you said, okay, just go this way, take a lift at the oak tree, and go over the rocks, and there's going to be the stream, and, and there you'll find the, the water you need to quench your thirst. It'd be nice if the oxen would listen to the one who was trying to guide them, but that's not the way oxen work. That's not the way cattle work, right? They go all around. You got to round them up. You got to wrangle them. You got to poke them. You got to prod them. This is how we are sometimes as human beings. It would be fantastic if we just read the Word of God and God says, well, here's how you need to live. Here's what you don't need to do. Here's what's good for you. Here's what's not good for you. Therefore, follow me and do what's right. It would be great if we did that, but we don't do that. And so sometimes the wise words of Scripture is like a goad. God is goading us. Sometimes we read these Proverbs we read the truths of Scripture, and they hurt, and they poke us, and they prod us, and they remind us, man, my heart's not right in this way, or my action's not right here, or my attitude's not right there. 
And so we come and we read God's Word and we study it together and, and we read it on our own time and the Holy Spirit begins to goad us and begins to poke and begins to prod us with the wisdom of the Word of God. And that's what it says here. The sayings of the wise are like goads and those masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails that, that these things need to be driven home. These points, these, these points of wisdom are nailed in firmly that these things need to be need to be in our hearts in our minds that's why we continually study the word of god week after week we come and we gather on our own time we read the word of god why do we keep doing that some of you have been doing that longer than i've been alive twice as long as i've been alive but yet for some reason we keep coming back week after week after week why do we do it because we realize that these wise words are good for us. Sometimes they're there to encourage us. Sometimes we, we hear them and we just lift praise to God. Sometimes we hear them and they are poking in us and, and poking us because we're trying to go in that wrong direction. We're trying to go in sin and God's word won't let us do it. It pokes and it prods us and it tries to get us back to a good spot. And so we appreciate the wisdom of God's Word, hopefully, and we hopefully have these points of the wisdom of God's Word nailed home to us, that they're firmly uh, imprinted in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds. At the end of the verse 11 there, the sayings are given by one shepherd. Presumably, this is, this is speaking of God here. The attention... Uh, being pointed to God at the end of all things when all is said and done what matters most of all is God he is our shepherd this is the same language that we see in the New Testament speaking of Jesus that he is our good shepherd so it is God who is the one who guides and instructs us it is the God from it is God from which all wisdom comes and that's what we see here in this passage verse 12. But beyond these, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books, and much study wearies the body. So he offers a warning here. Uh, be warned, there is no end to the making of many books. Beyond these, beyond what? I believe what he's saying here is beyond the words of wisdom, beyond the words of God. So be careful that we don't travel too far beyond the Word of God. Now, that's not to say that we can never read anything that's not in the Bible. There are certainly plenty of good books to read that are outside of, of Scripture. But there are also a lot of crazy things out there. And so we need to be grounded in the words of Scripture so that when we are exposed to things that go against the words of Scripture, we are on our toes, that we are not led astray. There are lots of crazy teachings out there. And we even have to be careful, I think, as Christians, even when we're reading good Christian literature, when we're reading commentaries, when we're trying to study God's Word, even in Christian communities, there are sometimes different interpretations. And we can really spend a lot of time trying to figure out some of these things, and it can weary us. Maybe you've experienced that before. I certainly have. But sometimes we just need to say, maybe we need to put all the other books aside, and we just need to focus on the Word of God. So there's no shortage of books. There are thousands and thousands of books that are printed every year. Some of them are good, and some of them are stuff we shouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. And so we need to understand the one book that matters, that is the Word of God, and need to be careful with the other things so that we don't weary ourselves with things that will take us away from the truth of God's Word. <clears throat> Verse 13, When all has been heard, 
the conclusion of the matter is, Fear God and keep His commands, because this is for all humanity. Now this is, this is what we've talked about repeatedly throughout the last few months. We always come back to this point. We always come to the conclusion of the book. And that is, as bad as life may be, as good as life may be, as good as you may have it, as bad as you may have it, what we need to focus on, and the only thing that matters, is do we fear God and keep His commands? Now, you can't have one without the other. You can't say you fear God, yet you don't keep His commands. If we fear God, we will keep His commands. We can't say, well, I don't fear God, but I'm going to keep His commands. Well, it's likely that if we keep the commands of God, it's because we fear God. And so what does he say? When all is said and done, no matter what you've read, one day your life, as tough as it is or as good as it is, is going to come to an end. It may be because of our old age and we simply live out our years. It may be a catastrophe that strikes in an instant. But this life comes and this life goes and one day it's going to come to an end. And so what does he tell us at the beginning of the chapter? Remember God while you are still young. Know who God is while you are young. Remember him when you are old because one day everything we do is going to is going to be brought forth. Every everything we have we have done in this world, we will stand before God. That's what it says here. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. Verse 14, for God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Okay, so we got to live this life. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. But how do we live our life? Do we live our life in a way that is pleasing to God, in obedience to the Word of God? Or are we living our life in a way that is not pleasing to God? Now, we may fool everybody else. We can fool everybody in here tonight and everybody that's going to be here Sunday and everybody we see on the street, but we will never fool God. And so we need to make sure that as we live this life, as good as it is or as bad as it is, as unfair as it may seem, as long as it may be or as short as it may be, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot, we need to honor God with all that we have. We need to be obedient to God in all that we do because... God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. And there he ends the book. When all is said and done, the end of the matter is this, that we fear God and that we keep his commands. Ecclesiastes has a way, I think, of, of kind of grounding us, of kind of reminding us of some of the hard truths of life that we really don't have to be told. We know them from experience. Perhaps some don't like the book of Ecclesiastes for this reason because it sounds kind of depressing in some sense. If you were just to pick out a few parts of it here and there and read it, it, it does seem kind of depressing. Other people love the book of Ecclesiastes because it's just right to the point. It doesn't pull any punches. It says the hard stuff that we need to know. But it's in the Word of God, so it's a good book for us to read. But we have to read it knowing the conclusion. We have to read it knowing that the author is not just saying, life is tough, live and die, and that's it. That's not what he's saying. I mean, he does say things like that throughout the book. But he always says those things with that, with that theme woven through there that, hey, wherever you are in life, as bad as it may be, enjoy life to some extent. 
God gives us food. He gives us drink. He, he wants us to find some enjoyment from this life. And so let us find enjoyment in life. In the, in the midst of the rat race and the stress and the pain and the suffering and the sickness and the death that surround us and just the hard times, let us know that God is still good and He has given us good. Our world shows us bad all the time. But yet there is still goodness in this world. God is still so good to us in so many ways. So let us not focus on the bad, but just as the author of Ecclesiastes does, let us always try to come back to the fact that God has been good to us. And it is God that we must live for because it is God that we must answer to. So let us be those today who follow the words of the Good Shepherd. Not just the words of the writer of Ecclesiastes, but the writer of the one true shepherd, uh, Jesus Christ, the one who gave us the best words that we can live by, the one who gave his very life on the cross so that we could be forgiven, and that is Jesus Christ. So let us follow the shepherd. Let us be those who fear God and keep his commands. No matter how life, tough life may get, let us be those who seek God in all things. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your good word, and I pray, dear Lord, that you would just help us to Make it through life. Everybody in here, dear Lord, knows full well just how tough life is. Maybe there are some in here tonight that are going through a really tough season in life. I pray that you would help them to seek you and trust you and not give up, but just maybe to seek your goodness and, and, and find your goodness, dear Lord, in some way in this word tonight or in, in those they encounter or something that goes on in their life, God. Maybe... There are some tonight that are in a good season of life. I pray that we rejoice in you all the more, dear Lord. But I pray, God, that, that we, would not, we would not get discouraged with the things in this world, but that we would be reminded as we have read this book that, God, there is nothing new under the sun, that this old world, it's good sometimes and it's bad sometimes. So let us praise you on the good days. Let us praise you on the bad days. And let us live for you every day. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.